This is Basket Case Clubs, CPR Group's podcast where we turn basket case clubs into showcase clubs. everyone and welcome back to Basket Case Clubs. My name is Michael Connolly and I shall be your host on this journey of Basket Casey constitutional review stuff. And joining me this week once again is Steve Connolly. G'day Steve. Is your fellow nerd in crime? <laughs> <laughs> what, what crime is nerdy? Fraud. Fraud would be a nerdy crime. <laughs> there are some bastards who've made shit tons of money out of fraud. Yeah. Some of them. Some of them have been the sorts of pricks who steal money from not-for-profit organisations. How much does Plenty that of shit them. you yeah. when people steal money from clubs and associations? It shits me, but what frustrates me more, and I think we've talked about this, I, I get on this particular soapbox quite regularly, but what frustrates me more is that in almost every one of those cases when the proverbial hits the fan and money gets stolen from a not-for-profit is that the other board or committee members who come out in the media afterwards and talk openly about what went wrong so commonly say things like, yeah, we thought that there was something mm. going on. We thought yeah. that there was a problem. We should have asked that question. I know. Yeah. I'm very confident that I have gotten on that soapbox in one of our past discussions, probably when we talked about Kerry, the bloke who went to jail for stealing about $175,000. No, I thought it was 270. It was more than a quarter of a million bucks. Shit. But you had a bad feeling about him. You were the only from one day from dot. Yeah. Yeah. And just one of those shady characters that you kind of go, mm, I don't know about you. Yeah. Funny so, how the signs are the same, eh? It, it is. And uh, that leads really nicely into our discussion about constitution goodness. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we at CPR Group are probably one of few, sorry, Steve and I and Matt and Chris and other Michael and whoever else, Jess, sometimes helps us with some constitutions. Whoever's working on them, we have an uncanny knack of getting a spring in our step. <laughs> I was going away on a weekend two weeks ago to, you know, quite a lot, because this is Australia. So, you you know, you can spend about half a day on a plane and still be in the same bloody country, unlike in Europe, where you've flown over about 14 different countries in that time. And on a early on a Saturday morning on a plane, you know, bleary eyed, ready to go to a meeting and spend all day in a meeting to talk about constitutions. Now, for most sane people, Steve, they'd be going, I don't want to do this. this Wish I was going on a beach holiday. Yeah, yeah, I'd be rather <laughs> sitting on a beach or going surfing or just go for a walk. No, no I'm going, I'm really looking forward to this. And it was one of those, one of those meetings where just every part of the discussion based on every single clause or at least every section in the constitution led to a really meaningful discussion that really mm. helps this or has helped this organization uncover parts of their operation that they've never just had time to stop and think about this. And so that's why I don't know about you, but that's certainly why I love constitution work so much. Yeah, I love the fact that it's a topic that people generally aren't very excited about discussing until they get into it. And then at the end of yeah. the session, inevitably, they say, God, I really didn't expect to enjoy that. Yeah, it was good yeah. fun. Yeah, Matt and I finished a meeting a couple of weeks ago and the bloke said, uh, who's the president, um, uh, and this is after somebody else had said, I really didn't know what to expect. And this is after two hours of talking through and their, their constitution, like talk about basket case constitutions. It was certainly mm. one of them. I really wasn't expecting to enjoy this, but this has been really enjoyable. And the president said, I've suffered through constitutional <laughs> law many years ago as a student and then in my professional career, and I've learned more tonight you. than I did in an entire <laughs> degree. <laughs> and I kind of go, well, we'll give ourselves a little pat on the back for that. As <laughs> you should. Yeah. 
but no, yeah. we do we do really enjoy it. And I, I, I have actually considered what it is that makes me enjoy those meetings so much. And I think that it's a bit of a an amalgam of a few things. And it's those light bulb moments that yeah. eyes lighting up on the volunteers when they realise that they don't have to be doing that particular thing that they think they have to do that causes a lot of angst, frustration, takes a lot of their time. You know, no, you don't need to advertise your AGM in the local newspaper. Yeah. You, you know, you you empower them to run a good business according to how that business should be run, not because of something, you know, some outdated, antiquated provision in the arbitrary old Korean new font constitution <laughs> that was probably actually typed on a, a typewriter. Better, <laughs> better than one that's in Comic Sans. <laughs> 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 you know, Although when... that's that's probably a fitting font for our constitutions because we enjoy writing them. <laughs> no, so it's not a fitting font for anyone. <laughs> I hate comics. Never, sand. ever, ever. Comic Sans, like, MS. You, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know Just when use it. when marketers and typesetters have nightmares, they're all in Comic Sans. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, anyway so what we're going to do because otherwise we'll just talk about how much we love it all day is we're going to randomly pick a state or territory uh, you know from australia and and then pick their model rules so each state and so incorporation legislation is state and territory based which means that it's slightly different but the same far outweigh the differences mm. For organisations that do trade regularly interstate, it's important that they either that they've got some authority to do that. So that can either be by being registered as a company under the Corporations Act, which is which Commonwealth legislation, so it's the same all around the country. Or there is another sort of registration you can get with ASIC that means that you are then registered as an incorporated association, but can then trade interstate. But even though the legislation is state and territory based, it is there are a lot of similarities. Some of the idiosyncrasies about public officer versus secretary duties are a little bit different. Some of the um, some of the, the clauses around oh, look, I was going to say meetings, but even most of the meeting stuff is the same. Yeah. But as far as the meetings go, it's the frequency that's different, the time frame after your end of financial year that you need to have your OG, just little things like that that are immaterial. But yep. most of the big things are the same. Anyway, we're going to take. At random, one of the states and territories around the country, and then again, at random, pick a clause in, in the model rules or whatever it's called, the template constitution, and then between us, discuss where we've seen that go badly and mm -hmm. what we think it should be. So let me do step one. So I've got two tabs open here, Steve, and I've got all of the different model rules and I've sent them all to you as well. So we're both sitting here with all of the model rules in front of us. I feel like I'm on the in a <laughs> control center at NASA, you know, with all these constitutions open. I've got three screens and two of them are quite big and one of them is my laptop screen. And it's at the moment just covered in model rules. Like anyone would walk in and go, you're a freaking nerd. You get a life, man alive but i'm excited about this so let's re randomly run number one so here we go no random.org doesn't make a beep 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 noise but i've come up with vic at the top okay so here we go into the victorian model rules the victorian model rule have you got it open there too steve yep okay the table of contents i can see there are 77 let's do it <laughs> I'm just thinking about this from the point of view of a mum or dad volunteer who's got their first got involved in a, a netball club in Hawthorne, Victoria, 
and they're going, right, let me have a look at these model rules. I'm sure I'll be able to knock it over in a day or so. And they go, holy shit, 77 different things that I've got to learn. Got to this learn is about. not why I got involved uh, as a volunteer. Yes, yeah. yes. All right. So back to random.org. Mm-hmm. One, two, 77. There we go. And generate. And we've got 65. What is 65? Oh, conflict of interest. Oh, that's too easy. <laughs> 65, conflict of interest on page 21. All right, let's scroll to page 21. Sorry, just go and make yourself a cup of tea or coffee. This is a fairly big constitution. Oh, no, it's only 24 pages. Okay. All right, conflict of interest. All right, so this is a good one. Steve, I'm going to let you have a read while I do a little bit of a ramble, and then you can ramble while I read. Okay. The thing that I've found really interesting about conflicts of interest is similar to the other director duty that says you're not allowed to gain personal benefit from the information or your Mm -hmm. position, the information you gain from being in the position or the position itself. What strikes me as interesting is how often situations where a conflict of interest should be declared comes up and it doesn't get picked up. But the flip side is also true. A lot of people claim that a conflict of interest exists where it actually doesn't. Mm. So let's have a look through. So have you had a look through? How well do you think that does Victoria do their conflict of interest clause? What is unsurprising to me is that often the model rules across the states and territories uh, have clauses presented in a very similar way to the replaceable rules provided for companies um, under the Corporations Act, so federal legislation for companies that report to ASIC, including not-for-profit public companies limited by guarantee, as you were saying earlier, those that trade interstate that don't just have, that aren't just a registered Australian body, Australian registrable body, ARBN yeah. holders. Yeah, but it's also a registered or registrable Australian yes. body. Yes, yeah. Yeah. so th- those companies operate under the Corporations Act and they have a constitution which uh, in a lot of cases, you know, contains at least some clauses which are similar to those replaceable rules and the model rules across the country and each of the states and territories often have provisions that are quite similar to those. And this appears to be the case here. So uh, just quickly, something that comes to mind uh, on conflicts of interest is, you know, just to your point about sometimes those conflicts of interest at a, a board or committee meeting, either being glossed over, missed and not declared or people erring too much on the side of caution and declaring conflicts Everything. where one really doesn't exist yeah and and that can then lead in the not-for-profit sector but also in local government to a real hamstringing of decision of the decision making process so one of the southeast queensland councils you know a couple of years ago had an, a situation where so many councillors declared a conflict of interest on a particular matter that the decision could never be made yeah but that which yeah, is just so were, stupid and they were uh, they were hedging. Game. Yeah, of yeah, course. They, they didn't want to do make the difficult decision because they had yeah. to pick between two not-for-profit organisations and one of them was going to come out with tenure and one of them wasn't. Yeah. And so instead of just putting on their big boy, big girl pants and saying, well, let's make this freaking decision, yeah. they kept saying, I can't because once I had a cup of coffee <laughs> at that club and yeah. so I need to declare that and now I need to absent myself from this meeting. Yeah. <laughs> and so, but what, what comes to mind when we talk about conflicts of interest is that in my experience, people find it a lot easier to identify conflicts of interest where they relate to a material personal interest. And that is 
how this conflict of interest clause in the Victorian model rules is presented similar to the Corporations Act and replaceable rules for companies. Yeah, and whereby, I like that. Yeah, it's where we're talking about a, a, if, if a committee member has a material personal interest in a matter being considered at a committee meeting, then that committee member must disclose the nature and extent of that interest to the committee. So when we're talking about a material personal interest, we're talking about money. We're talking about, you know, you may be owning a business that operates in or provides some service or product that your committee is considering uh, purchasing or investing money in. And it's clear, it's really easy for people to understand that I need to declare that I've got a material personal interest in that matter. So I'm going to, you know, absent myself from the meeting. I'm not going to participate in discussion and debate and you can all make the decision without me. Also, in my experience in that sort of scenario, what often happens is the person who's in that situation says don't even consider my business <laughs> because yeah, yeah. the optics aren't great you know regardless of whether i participate in that decision it it could it could you know appear a little smelly to other people so just don't even consider my business and i'll stay involved and we'll get someone else to do it and is that a good thing or a bad thing well i think it's a it's a good question and i think it depends on so many factors the organization the people involved of course the the common sense approach is if there's someone involved in the organization, whether that be in a decision-making position or not, and they provide a product or service through their business, they care enough about the organization to make sure that the service or product is going to be to a really high standard. So maybe use them. Uh, But again, I can certainly understand. Or at least involve them in the decision-making process so that an informed decision can be made. Good point. Yeah. Because they understand that industry. They understand that product or service. But what becomes a little more cloudy and less clear cut for people are conflicts of interest that don't relate to a material personal interest, but are things like team selections, you know, so uh, a golf district, a regional district uh, making a decision who's going to be placed on the pendants team to travel to some inter-regional competition or a, a footy club a junior footy club committee considering, uh, you know, what support is going to be provided to a team and some of the parents of kids in that team being on the committee and participating in that decision. So we see conflicts of interest rear their head in less clear cut circumstances. And I think that's where a lot of people get tripped up as well. And in my experience, I've probably seen more overcautious. Well, that's actually not true because so often, you know, I'll be in a meeting and I'll hear people arguing for something that's very clearly going to benefit them, their family, their child, or, you know, has some uh, way of, of benefiting them. And I'll pull them up and say, hey, it sounds like you're arguing for that in a way that, you know, might be unreasonable. Is that because it's going to benefit you personally? And often people say, oh, shit. <laughs> Is yeah, this you're that right. conflict of interest thing you told me? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Out of clause 65 in your constitution. Yeah, 65. Well, this is an interesting one because it's about, what, a third of a page, maybe a tick less. And there's only three parts to it. One, two, 2A, 2B, three, 3A, 3B. Yep. It's not a lot in here. So I think that there's some stuff in here that I think is really good, but I also think there's something in here that is missing. So let's go to what I think is good. And then I'll let you see if you can pick the same thing that I'm thinking about for what's missing. And you've already started touching on it. The number three says this rule does not apply to a material personal interest. A that exists only because that member belongs to a class of persons who's for whose benefit the association is established. Mm-hmm. So that means this so a material personal interest doesn't attach to me. So say we are, yes, we're voting on 
uh, whether we're going to top dress a field. And if we top dress a field, then I'm going to benefit from that because I'm going to be able to play to a high level because our field is going to be better. So I'm going to benefit. Yeah, but we exist for the purpose of having that field so we can play our sport. Yep. So we all benefit. So a material personal interest doesn't exist in that case. Yep. Or that the member, so the material personal interest, uh, sorry, the rule does not apply to a material personal interest. So an interest that I have that is personal to me because I have that interest in common with all of the membership or a substantial proportion of the members of the association. Mm -hmm. So that means if this applies to all senior players, then because I'm a senior player, this clause doesn't apply. I'm still able to participate in that discussion without and without declaring that I have an interest in the matter because it applies to so many of us that I, I just happen to be one of those so many. Yep. So I think that's that's pretty good that that's there and that should help deal with that point that you just raised where you said we're talking about team selections and mm. we have kids in those teams. If it's something to do with... So this is... I, I suppose that my advice here, Steve, would be use the sniff test. If yeah. it smells funny, declare an interest. So if it and if it doesn't, so if this is something that is not providing any particular benefit to my family, it's just because we're you know we're all going to benefit because we're all in the team or we're all in an age group or we're all football players or whatever or we're all players of this particular sport, then that smells okay. It's fine. Let it go. But if it's starting to smell funny because this is something that I am part of a decision that's going to personally benefit money or time that the club spends on my kid, then probably better that I say, look, it's it's this is a decision that's probably best for me not to take part in and for me not even to be in the room so that I don't influence what you say when I'm here. So take off, have the discussion, make the decision, and then I come back. I wonder if the thing that you think might be missing is a provision for someone to remain involved in the making of a decision, even if a conflict of interest Has could be deemed to apply. Does exist. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. That is exactly what I'm thinking. So I'm going to just take the lead from your point before. And yes, absolutely. Yep. That's what I was thinking about. And what you had said before was if I provide a particular product or service that the club's considering buying. Mm -hmm. So let's use an example. And an exa this is for, those of you that I've worked with, I've I've run this example with you. So this is because uh, it's a nice, easy one to think about. Let's say that we're the, back to the Hawthorne Netball Club and we're considering putting in some shade structures because during summer it does get a bit hot or in the you know early season, late season, and we'd like our players and even our spectators to be able to spend a bit of time under some shade. We obviously can't plant trees next to the netball courts because they're all made of bitumen or concrete. Mm -hmm. So there's a whole nother discussion about what we talk about there. Um, but we now I'm going to have to come back to that, aren't I? The benefits of bitumen versus concrete in certain applications. Let's leave that one for another day. <laughs> so we want to put in some shade structures, and these are going to be a colour bond structure on seal posts with a mm -hmm. little bit of a roof over the top. And my company does sheds and shade structures made out of colour bond and steel. That's what I do for a living. So if we're considering going out to market and seeking quotes from a number of businesses who are going to install these shade structures, who could install these shade structures for us so we can pick our preferred supplier, remembering that you buy on value, not on cost. Then And we, you are not bound by local government procurement processes or you know provisions of the local government act in your relevant state or territory that govern how councils have to purchase, which can be really hamstringing. 
We've got yeah. a lot more freedom in the not-for-profit sector. Yeah, so we can go based on the best value, not yep. just the cost. Yes. So uh, there's going to be information that I know by virtue of me working in the industry that the rest of the committee aren't going to know. So the way that this should happen is I should declare the interest up front and say, I have a business that puts in shade structures made out of the same stuff that we're talking about here. And I would be interested in providing a quote or depending on the, the procurement process, a tender expression of interest to do this work for the club. Yep. There's my interest. I've declared it. Now it's up to the rest of the committee now to make that. And this is what's absent from the constitution yes. from the model rules here in Victoria, that it's up to the rest of the committee to then make the decision as to whether I one participate in the discussion and debate and two even take part in decision-making. Yep. So this has been tidied up recently here in Queensland where we're based and the Associations Incorporation Act amendments passed by Queensland Parliament in June 2020 that are rolling out incrementally. And we've talked about this a bit in the past. And in another one of these constitutions where we randomly generate numbers and find a model rules and we settle on Queensland, we'll, well, we might not do that until the new model rules are available. Yeah. <laughs> no, even better, let's pick on the current ones because they're old and shit. Um. But this has been tidied up where there are very clear provisions now inc included in the actual legislation that talk about the fact that the, the rest of the committee members can agree, as you've just said, for a person who has declared a conflict of interest or a material personal interest to still participate in discussion, debate and the vote on that matter. Yeah. So it's, it's up to them once they make. But what's really important is that you minute it. Yes. That when the minute that the declaration was made, I have a conflict of interest and yep. then minute that the rest of the committee has resolved to allow me to stay and participate either just in the discussion and debate or participate in the discussion and in the discussion and debate and participate in the decision making process. And so yep. as long as that is declared and minuted, then it makes perfect sense. Now the reason that this is important and and you must then apply it right. So it can that that all smells fine. But it can start to smell funny if all of a sudden you're giving your the, the person who is going to materially benefit is starting to manipulate the discussion and say, I don't know, push the price up. Mm. But in reality, and why I think this is an oversight here is exact comes back to what you said about these people being passionate. There's a really good chance that if you give my business the money, I give a shit enough to be involved in giving up my volunteer time. There's probably a good chance that you're going to do a better deal out of me. So if the price yeah. is the same as the next best, then- I'm probably going to throw in a bit of extra labor for free, or I'm probably going to put in some extra time or something. There's, there's likely to be something extra. And so this is why it's absurd that you just take that step back and say, you can't consider me. Cause then imagine if yes. I know the quality of my workmanship building these things, some other schmuck comes and does it and does a crappy job or just, you know, dumps the the water or the overflow straight onto a, a court or straight on. So I don't know, just does a stupid thing. And you'd go, gee, I wish that I'd been able to do this job because that's then a structure that might last for 50 years. So it's mm. going to piss people off for 50 years just because you made an arbitrary decision not to be involved. Yeah. So what's the best for the association and does it smell fine? And are we making sure we're meeting our obligations? And what you just said about the changes here in Queensland, from my understanding, you've looked at it more recently than me, but they mirror those in the Corporations Act and the very, replaceable rules. Very close. Yeah. I don't yeah. believe it's word for word, but it's very close. So it can be a, a, a ruling, yeah, either from the regulatory body itself or the Supreme Court 
that says, yes, that person can participate in the decision or it can be a decision of the committee that that person can participate. Right. Yeah. So, yep. Yeah. Um, it all makes sense. Yeah. And uh, so to your point there, in actual fact, what we probably see in most instances like this scenario that we're discussing is that the person who's on the committee cares enough to give up their time to be on that committee also is happy to provide the products or services through their business is probably going to come in cheaper. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's probably yeah. going to be a bit of a, a love job. Um, yeah. Well, but- let's just, let's just run, continue this scenario then. So, you know, we in basket case clubs, we don't just like to point out the shit decisions that people make <laughs> and the, the trouble they get themselves into. We do like to point out solutions. Yep. So let's run, continue this scenario then. So this person has then been allowed to stay and participate in the discussion. They've provided really valuable information. The committee's then been able to make an informed decision that gives a good result to the committee what should then happen with the, the whole quoting and or tender process? <sighs> you, <laughs> we've talked about this shed at my daughter's soccer club that you know was built by volunteers who don't understand that you need to include provisions for service. If you're going to put in a sink before you, you pour the drain hole slab. and some water, if you're going to put <laughs> in lights, you're kind of going to need some electrical supply. <sighs> yeah, and this is a shed that still to this day sits there. Underutilized. It's it's now you know a, a crappy underserviced storage shed. Just somewhere where you put the crap. Yeah. Just while the, the canteen the is old and run down and continues mm. to be used right next door. So uh, the, I think the, what comes to mind straight away for me in answer to your question is follow a, a typical you know commercial type process where you you do get several quotes, you do get multiple perspectives on on the scope and how the project itself should be addressed. Yep. And you know, involve the expert, as you've said, I think in this particular scenario, the, the, the committee member who also operates in this particular industry and get their insight in in making the decision, regardless of whether it's their quote that you go with or not. And, and I think that that, you know, particularly in our experience of supporting organisations through the process of uh, scoping projects for which they're then going to seek grant funding, different contractors will approach the same project in very different ways. So it's important to put to them what outcome you put to each contractor, what outcome you want, and then allow them to provide guidance on how they would approach the project. I've certainly seen some really innovative approaches identified through that. Yeah. And, and then if you want to reopen, so if you then want to provide a more detailed brief to everyone, obviously you don't share the, the IP the yep. intellectual property of one contract with another, but if it gives you an idea of of a way to, to change the scope that you then think would be a big enough change that you can you need to re, get people to requote so that you mm. can compare apples with apples, yes, then that can keep the process going. But taking an innovative approach like that is exactly what you said councils kind of can't do, and they're stuck by then just having to buy whichever one is cheapest, mm. and then we wonder why roofs start to leak before they're. <laughs> statutory warranty period is expired yes so yeah and so i think that it would be reasonable when we're assessing the other contractors quotes that i not be involved in that because mm. then i'm getting then i'm that's then in breach of another director's duty because i'm able to gain benefit from my position 
So you can see how this would happen. Then here's a nice crossover between mm. the director's duties. Obviously, a director's duties to manage conflicts of interest. Another director's duties not to improperly benefit from position or information. This would be me improperly benefiting from information that is provided to the club that serves my business. So that's yes. an interesting little leap there. It is. So, it's, so again, in making sure that at no point does it smell funny, that would be a good point for me not to be able to see the other quotes, for everyone else to consider those. Mm. And and so in this case, it might be really good for me to contribute. So this would be my suggestion if I was that contractor. I'd say, I'm going to contribute to the information. I'm going to give you my quote. And then you're going to do the assessment of the three quotes. And you're not going to show me the other two, but you're going to tell me the result. And mm. chances are I'll still come in cheaper or do a better job regardless. Yeah. You'll still pick mine, even just based on the goodwill, my own goodwill. But I think that it would be beneficial not to be involved in the decision making and that I not be able to abuse my my position to see that mm. information. Yep. So number two of these three clauses, it says number two, the member A must not be present while the matter is being considered at the meeting and B must not vote on the matter. The word that worries me in this here is, as you will know, is must, because must yep. is a legal absolute. So it means I can not. So this is one that if this was my association, so if I was a member of the netball, the Hawthorne Netball Association, I mm -hmm. don't know if there is one. So hello to all of our friends in Hawthorne. You've got a good football team, by the way. Um, if if I was there, I'd say, well, you know, I'd actually think there's a better way to do this, yeah. And and I'd want to have better consideration given to that, and exactly what we've been talking about here. For me, an alarm bell that rings immediately is the note that's under that 65-2 A and B yeah. that you just read out, which is under section 81-3 of the Act. If there are insufficient committee members to form a quorum because a member who has a material personal interest is disqualified from voting on a matter, a general meeting may be called to deal with the matter. So there, we're taking the decision out of the hands of those individuals who are accountable for the decision and putting it in the hands of every other member of the association. Oh, that's an interesting one because are we... Or are we then making the membership accountable. accountable for it? So I think we're I think that's mm. okay. But if if this happens and we do lose quorum because and it, if we're losing quorum, Steve, it's probably more a failing of the the point three that says you don't have to act on it if it's a an interest yeah. that, that lots of people have. So either a significant cohort of the club or association or all of our members. So it might be if you're losing quorum, it might be not applying number three. And at least it's a, it is providing an avenue for the decision to actually to get, get made. made. So yeah. it's not hamstringing the association itself from being yep. able to actually yep. proceed. I'm working with another club that has the no. It's at all of the members of the board of this club are all parents of the same cohort, which is the smaller of the cohort of the membership of a, of a very big club. Okay, so that's a case where it could happen there, mm. and it's certainly something that we went through in our board induction with them just recently under our club mentor program. Okay. Yeah. So look, this is, I'm like, we couldn't have planned this better. Like, honestly, <laughs> Steve saw me run the random.org generator. So I'm shitting you not that I even did the beep boop, beep boop noise. <laughs> we haven't had this plan. And I haven't looked at the Victorian model rules for probably longer than you. It's been it's, a few years for me. It was probably 2019 that I last. Spent yeah, again, it's probably 17 or 18 for me that I've spent much time in them. Mm -hmm. So yeah, there we go. But I'm I'm happy with part of it, but not happy with other parts of it. And look, as far as just going straight down the road of making sure that it can't smell funny, this is on the money. But mm. this is one of those things that it's out of kilter with what's happening with Commonwealth legislation for the under the Corporations Act for not-for-profit companies. 
Yep. Inter- interesting stuff. I'm, I'm, I'm happy with where we landed on this one, Steve. As am I. Yep. Uh, I got to, uh, uh, an opportunity to flex my nerdy muscles as did you. <laughs> so, you know. <laughs> yeah, but to just to reiterate as, as the big takeaway, it's surprising how often this thing does come up. So yep. just be aware. And it's it's like, you know, how we talk about the bystander effect. Once you're aware that a lot of people just walk past somebody who's clearly in need, but because everyone else is walking past, we all walk past until somebody stops. And then that stopping becomes the right thing to do. And then lots of people will stop. Mm. I think that this is the same sort of thing. Just by being aware of the bystander effect occurring, when you see somebody who may be in trouble, be that first person that goes over. And just because I'm aware of that, I'll now be that first person and watch what happens. Boom. Then I, I'm not the only one. Then help is the normal thing. Help becomes what everyone is doing. Mm. So the same sort of thing is, I think is true here. Just by being aware that we can either overcook our caution around conflicts of interest or undercook it is just because you're aware of that, then you can start to have some good self-awareness and monitor your behavior and adjust accordingly. Obviously, if you've got problems with any of this sort of stuff or you really don't know, and this has been the sort of thing that has triggered you to say, hmm, I wonder how ours stacks up. We have a service that we'd like to offer that is to go and have a look at people's constitutions. Now, I can never remember the web link, so I'm going to browse to it as we go so you can follow along. If you're driving, please safely pull over before (laughs) activating your phone to go to our website, which is cprgroup.com.au. And then you click on services and then scroll down to sports governance. And right up the top of the screen there, there is a big sign that says free club constitution assessment. Yes, it counts for associations and societies as well. So it's a not-for-profit assessment of constitution. Now, in all honesty, while this seems like it's the most benevolent and the, the best pro bono support that any governance organization in the universe is doing, because we are nerds and we have done literally thousands of constitution reviews with not-for-profit clubs, societies, associations, organizations of all shapes and sizes, it can literally take us a few minutes to see if there are significant red flags or if it's just time to give it a good a good shake-up. And so we are very happy to do that. And so all you've got to do is click on the little update constitution here link. And there's a couple of questions to answer there about the type of organization it is and attach a link to it. And we'll go through it and let you know what we think. In some cases, it might be that you're just not aware that the model rules in your state or territory have changed. And it's mm. just a matter of going. And it's a, it's a, ve- a fairly simple DIY process. The downside of that, of course, is that you miss the opportunity to have those probing discussions where people go, oh, and I was just talking to, um, I think it was Matt on Thursday or Friday of last week, and he said it was so funny sitting in a meeting with people saying, oh, well, you know, we we had this in our constitution. We didn't like what it said, so we just didn't use it. We, we wrote bylaws that were completely contradictory to the constitution because <laughs> we didn't think we could change the constitution. Now, when we randomly roll that bit that talks about altering your constitution, we'll talk about how you can do it. And you can, yep. especially because you're not allowed to just go and make up your own rules that are in conflict <laughs> with your constitution. So, yes, it's it's all a process. Steve, thanks again. We, we love do. it. And and yeah. you'll be doing us a favor by uploading the constitution <laughs> so we can have a look at it. <laughs> we get some really interesting ones, some really old again, you know, probably I'm thinking of a, a very old rugby league club that we did a constitution review with one year, probably 15 years ago. And they had a provision in their constitution, an object which was to um uh, to do such things as a conducive to supporting the war effort. <laughs> <laughs> 
Now that's a constitution that predates 1981, so uh, well, well, certainly depends, an object. Depends, anyway, depends which war. Well, good point. Yeah, good point. So the anyway, war, very, okay. very right. fascinating when we get to see yeah. some really you know antiquated provisions like that. So anyway, oh, send it just, through. Just even with the ones that still talk about he, him, yeah, uh, he, yep. he, her, um, she, he, like we, there are ways yeah, to do that yep. that you don't have to have divisive language, and yep. especially when we still find. Sometimes constitutions have been changed, uh, names have been changed, and you still find an, an old clause that says to support men's golf or to support men. And it's yeah. very, and they just completely missed it because they've gone, well, let's go and be inclusive and change our name, not realizing that they've left something. So, yeah, it's little things like that that we see. Mm. It, and it is great to pick them up. But look, even even this discussion about conflict of interest you can see how interesting it is and how good a discussion you can have on every single clause which is also why it's worth taking your time in doing a constitution review yeah which we shall no doubt continue next time we get an opportunity to do one of these throw yeah. an electronic dart into an electronic copy of model rules been very good fun i look forward to the next one of these journeys down constitution lane <laughs> Hang on, I'm just going to go into Google Maps and see if there really is. Constitution. I bet there will be somewhere in the world. Yeah, uh, Constitution Lane, Buckingham Gardens. Eh? Oh, there's Constitution Crescent. There's one near us. Uh, let's go to maps. Yeah, there's. We're probably going to find heaps of them in DC. There's Constitution Road. Yeah, no, it's only giving me ones that are close to me. If I zoom right out for the whole world. Oh, yeah, there are plenty of them. <laughs> hey, if you live on Constitution, Crescent, Lane, Avenue, <laughs> Drive, Road, Street, please let us know. Yeah, we'll send you some merch. We'll send you some basket case merch. Please do, please do let us know. <laughs> Steve, thank you. It's been a pleasure. Uh, big thanks, obviously, to Jess. She's got a bit of... <laughs> I know that she's got to work cut out for this one because I made mistakes before the recording even... Before what you hear. <laughs> start so yes thank you to jess for cutting out the, the flowery colorful language uh, if you're not already connected to us on social media you can find us on facebook and of course on linkedin and instagram follow us on our website to make sure you signed up to our newsletter and we look forward to seeing you again talking all stuff basket casey club soon thanks Steve. see you later thanks mick bye